Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Podcast. We have a great show for you today. Today, we feature an interview with Jody Cohen, who is a reporter with ProPublica, where she focuses on stories about schools and juvenile justice, and Jennifer Smith-Richards, who is a reporter with the Chicago Tribune, a member of the ProPublica Distinguished Fellows Program. What are we talking about? We're talking about their phenomenal story and stories because it's had follow-ups. The price kids pay. Schools and police punish students with costly tickets for minor misbehavior. The crux of this story, ladies and gentlemen, is that as of, I think, 2015, if I'm not mistaken, schools cannot ticket kids for misbehavior. And so what did they do? They basically give that, instead of writing the tickets themselves, they give the information they get and they give it to the school resource officers, also known as the cop in the school. That's a problem all by itself. And they write the tickets. Disgusting, horrible process. We're going to talk all about it with Jody and Jennifer in a minute. But first, I want to talk to you about CJP's got our 15th anniversary fundraiser going. Go to chicagojustice.org, upper right-hand corner. Click on Donate. Drop us a line of any of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we will get you hooked up if you're interested in helping us fundraise. $100 if you want to help help us raise $100, $500, $1,000, anything, we will get you set up. You can We can even personalize a fundraising page just for you. So if you're interested, let us know. Okay, with that, I'm just going to jump into this uh, interview. It's really, really amazing reporting. There will be, if you're watching this on YouTube, there are links in the, links in the description for the reporting. And if you are uh, getting this through the podcasting, world, you can go to the post on our page in the news section, and there will be links to all the stories there. Okay, I'll be back with you in a little bit after the interview. All right, welcome to the Chicago Justice Podcast. Today, I am honored to have Jody Cohen from ProPublica, who's a reporter uh, there that focuses on stories about schools and juvenile justice, and Jennifer Smith-Richards, a reporter to Chicago Tribune, and also a member of the ProPublica Distinguished Fellows Program. Ladies, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, thanks. So we're going to talk about a story that, um, wow, if this isn't a Pulitzer work, um, the price kids pay schools and police punish students with costly tickets for minor misbehavior. Runaway, I always, I have this phrase that I use, which is function creep. Um, and to, to conservatives, I think it's about, you know, they always think about restraining government, but they never think about restraining the criminal justice system. I look at it from a point like, no matter how good you think a tactic or a power that you're going to give the criminal justice system is, it always has to be restrained. Because while it may work in this one small niche um, situation, if you allow it to be, uh, if you allow it to creep into other things, it will because they all, it just always will. It always creeps into situations where we don't want things to be. And I don't know if they should ever be ticketing students, um, but we're gonna get into this because some of the things are ticketed for and the impact on kids is just um, disgusting. All right, um, and I'm just gonna tell you my feelings the whole way through this, which are just really, really bad. Although I, the work is great. All right, Jody, I'm going to start with you without giving away your sources. If you can uh, kind of give my audience a little bit of idea of how you came on to the story. 
Definitely. So Jennifer and I, a few years ago, wrote a series of stories called The Quiet Rooms. It was about um, schools using seclusion and restraint um, with on children in Illinois schools. So uh, seclusion being putting children in locked spaces alone um, and restraint being, you know, holding kids physically um, down. And while in the process of doing that investigation, we um, saw many reports where police were routinely involved with school behavior. And we published the quiet rooms and kind of just put a pin in this, these thoughts about like how are police um, involved in schools. Of course, you hear when there's like a big incident in the news, there's an arrest of a, a young student at school or um, something that rises to, to um, like a major event. But we were really interested in the more day-to-day -day interactions. So we decided to send some uh, public records requests to school districts to see what happens when police get involved with, um, with in, in uh, school incidents. And we started getting documents back that referred to citations or tickets. Um, and these are tickets for violating local laws, violating municipal ordinances. Um, and we uh, decided to try to learn as much as we could about that. And that was uh, the very beginning of how we um, started working on the investigation on school ticketing in Illinois. Okay, Jennifer, can you give us an idea um, how many school districts, because I think you did this throughout the state, how many school districts were you able to gather data on and how persistent or uh, persistent is the word prevalent is this practice throughout the state? Do, do we have an idea? Yeah, so we, we looked into about 200 school districts. We targeted um, Illinois school districts, as you know, they, they have their high school districts, elementary districts, and then what are called unit districts, which are K-12. So we focused um, initially on high school districts, and we looked into large unit districts that were operating high schools. So those are the kind of Urbana, Rockford, um, Chicago public schools. So we, we looked at a really large number of school districts and, and found that um, you know, most of them had some some sort of ticketing um, going on. Um, we we saw that there were definitely patterns um, of you know places that very much were committed to um, issuing tickets for student behavior, and places where it was a little more rare. But but we're talking you know many many school districts um, that were using this practice. It was not at all uncommon across urban rural. Um, you know, suburban settings. Frustrating. <laughs> Same frustrating after every answer. Um, so Jody, why, so as, if I remember going through your story correctly, school districts, the schools themselves seem to be prohibited from finding students, but the cops aren't. Can you explain to us that the nuance that's going on there? Illinois law back in uh, 2015, Illinois passed a very broad school discipline um, overhaul bill called SB 100. And the idea was to keep students in school. So try to reduce expulsions and also just really um, focus on positive behavior intervention as, as um, instead of punishment. So one part of that bill 
um, one part of that law says that schools cannot issue fines as discipline. So, you know, if there is a student doing something, you, you know, the school dean can't give them a fine. Um, but what we found was happening is that there would be some, um, some something happening at school. A, a dean would think that they saw a vape pen, or there would be, you know, a fight in the hallway, and the school dean, the school administrator would give the information to the school police officer, the school resource officer who's who's stationed at the school through you know agreements between the towns and the and the schools, and the police officer would take the information from the school administrator and use that to write a student a ticket, which you know almost always comes with a fine. And that was um, you know, what was happening. So the students aren't being fined by the school, they're being fined by the police with information provided by the school. In the school, they're being fined the for something they do in the school. Okay, it, another exactly. reason. Uh, another um, reason to get SROs uh, out of schools. All right, go, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jody. I was gonna say there's another law that was passed a couple years after the, the law I was just referring to that dealt specifically with truancy. And that law says that schools cannot refer students to another authority like police in order to get fined for truancy. So that is completely illegal. And we found uh, dozens of school districts that were still telling the police about truant students and those students um, were then fined. We're gonna get to an example of that. Um, once again, this is why when you put um, people who think writing public policy is easy. It's very hard to get right public policy that uh, restrains the behavior of humans and gets them to act in the way you want them to. Um, one would hope they would adjust that bill and make it a hundred thousand dollar fine for the school and the administrator that does it for every ticket that is written from one of their by uh, on one of their students. I think that would probably change the behavior of these uh, school administrators. So. I'm going to go back to you, Jennifer, but I want to uh, read a little bit from the article and give a couple examples of um, some of the fines here for our audience. So the Taze Well, if I'm pronouncing that well, County, County Courthouse, 30 students, not for crimes, but for tickets. Students were given a choice, agree to pay or fight the ticket at a later hearing. Students were warned, failing to pay, they were told, could bring adult consequences from losing their driving privileges to harming their future credit scores. And here's some examples of the tickets. Here's just three of them. Please, I'm going to have links to all the stories they've written. Please go read them. We could talk all day about all the examples. 14-year-old Abigail, $200 for truancy, even though it's against the law for them to write the ticket. 14-year-old Sophia, $175 for possessing a vape pen. 12-year-old Cameron, if I'm pronouncing that right, $250 fines and fees for shoving a friend. What were your thoughts when you started seeing these tickets? I think our our first impression was, you know, these these offenses that we saw in, in Taswell and, and other places were very common kind of student behavior at school. Like everybody can identify with, you know, somebody being caught smoking in the locker room or, you know, a, a fight or shoving match breaks out in the hallway. Um, or, you know, students skipping a class they don't like. So we, we identified with those behaviors right away as typical school behaviors that previously um, 
you know, you, you expect would end up with detention or, you know, with, with a fight, potentially suspension. Um, but, you know, the, these were things that we discovered pretty quickly were, you know, again, very common student behaviors, but very commonly being ticketed and the student was still being disciplined by the school. So these, these are behaviors that once would have resulted just in detention, for example, and now resulted in detention and a $200 fine and a visit to the courthouse where you have to go um, before a hearing officer or a judge. One of the things that I don't think people understand is that anytime you increase the amount that a, anyone, let alone a juvenile, let alone a juvenile of color and poor, every time you increase interaction with the criminal justice system, you're increasing the likelihood that you're gonna have a negative outcome because of an outburst of the student or misunderstanding or some bad actions by the justice system that could lead to much, much more serious crimes than having a vape pen. Um, we see it with traffic stops where um, the original traffic stop is for nothing, but it escalates and someone gets shot. Um, I don't understand why schools have um, just given their authority over the their authority over handling these things to the police. Um, so I'm going to go back to you, Jody, because there's a part in here. Um, a phrase in here about assembly line hearings. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about more more about that because um, that that phrase existing when you're talking about these events to me is horrible and horrific. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes, I also it's something you just said. Um, I, I wanted to mention something you said. You know, handing this over to the police, and we talked to police, um, you know, authority law law enforcement authorities who don't like this. I mean, they don't want this to be their job either to be handling school discipline matters. Um, there was one school district where, you know, since the story published has um, decided to stop involving police and the police chief there's thrilled. Like he does, this isn't, you know, what they wanna be doing either. But in terms of the assembly line hearings, um, so the way these work is, you know, imagine, you know, you get a, a, tick, a ticket as an adult and you don't believe it was was just, or you know, you want to fight against the ticket. You go to um, a hearing to to um, deal with that ticket. It's the same thing for juveniles, for students, and and other kids. Um, sometimes they don't have a choice; they have to go, and they um, they sh they show up. And because these are systems meant for adults, not for kids. They don't have any right to, to an attorney. They often don't really understand what's going on. Um, it's intimidating. You know, you're, many of these um, you know, hearings that are held in police stations or in city hall are made to look like courtrooms. So the hearing officer will be sitting up, you know, on uh, higher up and there's a podium and, you know, it's just, um, it's this courtroom like setting without really any of the, the um, rights that you have in juvenile court. Um, and the students are just like kind of processed. Um, that's why it's like assembly line, like you go up, sometimes they ask for your plea, the hearing officer, sometimes they don't. You just, um, uh, we, you know, that you almost never win. Um, I, you know, we have some data from one um, 
two places in the story that show like the chance of actually, you know, getting out of the ticket is, is almost impossible. Um, so it's just this very, you know, line up, process, move on kind of system. But there, it's a system that comes with, you know, big fines and, and harm to, you know, students and their families. Okay. Um, God, that's so disgusting. It reminds me a little bit, I'm not sure if you've seen the documentary out of, uh, in Philadelphia, I believe it was, or area of Philadelphia, I mean, Pennsylvania. Um, it wasn't in Philly, but it was an area of Pennsylvania called, and there's a documentary called Cash for Kids. And it, it was about uh, the, um, the um, basically incarcerating kids into the, uh, uh, into a new juvenile detention center. And there was allegations that the judges got kickbacks, but it was similar. Like kids would yell at their grandfather and the grandfather called the cops to quiet down the kid and the cops arrest the kid and the kid goes to juvie for six months. But it's a similar, it's very similar in the fact of how um, the kids had no idea what was going on in court. And for the simplest things, they were getting incarcerated. Um, so in that- yes, I remember those stories okay. for and, sure. And in my thinking with that, the allegation, I don't think it was actually proved out when you watched the documentary. It was all about kickbacks and money. And I don't think it is. I just think it was two judges or one specific judge who was so far right wing that he thought if you did anything on the line, you should be incarcerated. Um, I don't necessarily think they proved out the money and kickback scheme, but it made me think, which is why I'm going to ask you, Jennifer, this question, how, how much of this, is there some element to this where this is small towns or cities or whatever benefiting by collecting, is this a revenue generating scheme to some extent? So that's, that's a really good question, a really interesting question. Um, we, we did not find that there was any financial benefit to schools, for example, to, to allow um, police to, to write tickets to students for their behavior. Um, but the, the money goes to the municipalities. Um, and, and while you know, most of the money that municipalities are, are, um, are raising through this process actually goes to fund the, the process itself, like to pay the hearing officer, to pay the person who might be acting as a clerk or a bailiff, um, you know, for the facility. So it, it doesn't, we didn't find examples of this being like a huge revenue generator, um, but certainly student ticketing in some communities was a huge part of their overall ticketing. Um, system. So we, we found communities where like the high school and the junior high were the most ticketed locations in the entire city um, for, for police issued tickets, you know, not, not things like parking or, or housing code violations, but for police issued tickets. Um, so, so yeah, like student ticketing was a huge part of, of ticketing in some communities, um, but we did not find examples where you know, the community was financially um, really, really benefiting from, from the ticketing. Um, that, that's not to say that it wasn't an important part of their system, but it didn't seem to be like, you know, an oversized um, benefit. Okay, so, hey, Jody. Um, uh, we did find you know, also, this is, I think this is interesting that, that the, um, it does seem like these, the fees that are attached to these and, and the fines are paying for the system. To, you know, for the hearing officer, for the prosecutor to show up, for 
um, you know, to the clerks to show up. So yesterday I was at a hearing where there were um, cases that were dismissed or, or they didn't charge the fines, but yet they still made the people pay the $55 court fee, even though it wasn't in court. And the hearing officer even said, I need you to pay this fee because look, the police officer is here and I'm here. And we have, you know, it's just showing that this is paying for the system um, that, that, you know, that these towns have. So we're going to, that, that's great. So we're going to dismiss the charge. We didn't find guilt, find you guilty of doing this. We found you not essentially not guilty. We're not going to pursue it. But since, you know, we're all here, why don't you just, you know, hand over $55 because, you know, you had the pleasure of coming. Someone's got to pay my salary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and $55 is, is actually not even close to the highest fee uh, that we saw in, in places. So if you, if your community processes these tickets through the actual circuit court system, um, which, you know, they can, they can do instead of holding their own local hearing, um, that's an automatic hundred dollar court fee, right? I mean, it, it becomes immediately very expensive for families. Yeah. Cause what we, all right, we're going to, I'm going to save that. Cause here's my next question. I guess I'll go to you, Jody, with it. Are there disparities in the schools that ticket, in the individuals that get these tickets? Is there some disparities that we need to know about in the system? So as Jennifer said earlier, the ticketing's happening across the state, except not in Chicago, not in Chicago. So we didn't find any tickets in uh, being issued at Chicago public schools. But in terms of geographic, um, we did not see um, you know, only one area of the state. We, we saw it pretty spread out, although there were pockets. So we, we did find like in certain counties, there would be, um, you know, the surrounding communities all kind of had the same system and, and um, did things the same way and, and ticketed a lot. Um, we did find disparities by race in who was being ticketed. So the over, you know, ticketing um, some disparities with, you know, black students in some school districts being ticketed at, at higher rates than, than the student population at those schools. Um, and we, we did a story um, that really focused on that, that looked at the um, disparities by race. Um, it, don't, in the justice system in Illinois specifically, but in this country, there's almost always, if you dig deep enough, a disparity to be found, um, unfortunately. Okay, I'm gonna go to you, Jennifer, but I wanna read a little, I think a quote of sorts from Kip Heinle, if that's how you pronounce his name, Kip, if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize. Spokesman for the Illinois School Resource Officers Association, because in Illinois, everything has an association. So cops that are in schools have an association. Said that he thinks ticketing is uncommon in the district he works. But I think your story proved that to be a little less than on the mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, there is widely a belief, even among um, people who work in schools and, and, and work close to policing in schools, that this is an uncommon practice. Um, it, is, it is not. I mean, we, we looked over three school years and were able to document close to 12,000 tickets issued to kids. Um, there, 
there definitely are places in the state where it's very common to get a ticket. All the kids know it's possible to get a ticket. Um, the, you know, kids will get ticketed for truancy and then, you know, know that, that there's, there's going to be a fine. I, it, it's just, it's much more common um, than, than that officer believed that it was. Um, and I, I think that, you know, this is a practice that gets kind of embedded in the school culture. Mm -hmm. And so it just doesn't, it doesn't strike anybody as unusual, um, really, or, or notable. That's, once again, we, we've talked about that already. It's just that by itself, it just becomes institutionalized. And everyone just thinks it's how it should be is um, a problem. Okay, we're going to talk a little more in depth here. And my next question uh, to you, Jody, is about truancy. I'm going to read a little bit from the article. The investigation also found the police had issued more than 1,800 tickets for truancy across at least 40 municipalities. More than 1,000 of those tickets were issued after January 1, 2019, when what happened? A state law went into effect prohibiting schools from notifying authorities about truant students so police can ticket them. A thousand. That's not one school making a mistake. That's it being institutionalized. Ah, um, so what is there a punishment for these schools that issue tickets that were against state law? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't not know of any punishment that's being uh, given to schools that that um, you know were referring students to police. Um, I think that since the story ran, they, some, some have stopped. Um, they, I think there were some places that they perhaps not know, um, about the law, um, others that just kept doing it anyway. Um, yeah, one thing to keep in mind is our the story covered the years 2018 to, um, 2021, but during a lot of that time, of course, schools were closed due to the pandemic. So the numbers are lower than they might have been otherwise so you think about like truancy tickets um you know were not um, there, there was a period of time where no students were going physically to to school um but in terms of your question about punishment i don't know that there's been any um, repercussions for schools that, you know where students were being ticketed one thing that did happen is um some some towns were referring um, like the, where the families, the students were not paying the tickets, where the, the debts, where the, there were debts. The towns were um, using a state collections program called the, the Local Debt Relief Act Recovery Program, um, where, which uses the state comptroller's office to you know, collect wages or uh, garnish tax refunds. And the state has said that they will not um, do that for truancy tickets because those tickets are, should not be issued at all. They're illegal, yes. Um, the laws that, that govern you know, disciplinary fines for kids um, had no enforcement mechanism in them, right? So there's, there's no consequence to the school for participating in this system. Um, and you know, these, the laws themselves, you know, as you mentioned at the top, like they govern the schools and not police. So, so enforcement, and um, you know consequences for running afoul of the law simply don't exist. Yeah, and this is 
Well, there's two steps to this. Uh, you know, I do, I've spent a lot of my life working on police accountability issues, but let's like, talk about, you can't, well, a couple of things is they're not even punishing the institution. So every time this is, they write an illegal ticket, maybe there's a hundred thousand dollar fine and escalates as it goes up, they're going to stop writing those tickets. Um, but you also have to go after the individuals, right? The, the, uh, the administrators within the schools that are taking this to the police have to find, have to have some accountability in this. Um, it can't just be an institution itself because then there's, for the most part, no um, motivation for the individual actors to stop doing what they're doing. And certainly the police accountability system, um, one would think, although when you get in the, I mean, the Chicago one doesn't work, I can't imagine going into smaller towns what that's like. Um, but one would think writing an illegal ticket to some person in the city or state um, by itself would be enough to get you fired when you purposely break the law. But obviously, um, our, the state legislator needs to write in some, um, they need to write in some consequences for those that do this. I mean, what you see, and it frustrates me as a criminologist and criminal justice system, so many people of color in jail for like possession of drugs or selling a small amounts of drugs. Um, and yet these people are writing hundreds, if not a thousand, or probably 1,500, 2,000 tickets probably would have been what they did if kids were in school the whole time and nothing, they all know it's illegal and nothing happens. It's very, um, it's very frustrating to me. Um, so can you give us an idea? Um, I guess I'll go to you, Jennifer. Can you give us an idea what happens? I think you've seen, I think you reported on some of this real life kid gets a fine, a ticket for the vape pen, let's say, and it's $150, $175. If they don't pay, if they can't afford to pay, what happens? Right. I mean, the, the key here is like, if they can't afford to pay, like these are, just to remind listeners, like these are kids and many of them don't have a source of income, right? So these tickets get issued to the children. The children are responsible for paying them. If they don't pay, they can't pay. Um, many communities offer a, a payment plan. And so kids can get on a payment plan to pay, you know, five, 10, 15, whatever uh, dollars per month for some number of months. Um, if, they, if they still don't pay, even after trying to break that down into small chunks, um, the communities can, can take them to collections and, and many do. So we, we found many communities that will, um, you know, try to shift that um, financial uh, responsibility to the parent, right? Who would sign up with the kid at the, at the time of the payment plan. Um, and they will send those parents to collections for the tickets. We found some communities that will wait until the student turns 18 and then send the student to collections. And as Jody mentioned, we found some communities that send these unpaid fines and fees through to the state um, basically like the state local collections um, arm of the, um, of the comptroller's office. So um, then that debt is sitting there with the state for when the kid does have some sort of source of income, um, they could potentially garnish that, that tax refund. Um, so there are, there are you know, financial consequences. You can absolutely see records of kids being um, in collections specifically because they didn't pay their e-cigarette or truancy fines. Astounding. It's an entire system set up with the state and private industry to go after and collect this money. Okay. Um, I'm going to get you out of here. Um, 
on this last question, I guess I'll go to Jody with this one. Um, what we talked a little bit about it. What has been the fallout from these from your stories? Well, the um, within you know the the day the story ran in the, it was published in the morning that night. Um, state school superintendent Ayala sent out in, an email, a message to all um, stakeholders, all school officials, um, people in education in Illinois that said basically cut this out stop telling you know police about school behavior issues so students get ticketed this is doing nothing to help students it's hurting families um, it doesn't work if you're trying to change behavior this is not the way to do it um, it, it was a very uh, really an emotional letter um, that was begging people to stop doing this um, that was one thing that happened right away there were some uh, lawmakers, including Speaker Welch, who said um, they want to revisit the laws uh, and see what they can do to, to stop this um, through the legislature. Um, as we talked about, the state comptroller's office is not going to collect on truancy debt anymore. Um, what else? Schools said some schools have stopped referring students to police. Um, they've, they've said that. Um, I think those are the big ones. Um, but one thing to mention is that there is no tracking of this. So like your, your suggestion to, you know, every time a, a ticket is issued illegally to find that, that um, those authorities $100,000, this is really under the radar in a lot of ways. I mean, the, 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 the um, education department, the US Department of Education tracks, you know, student arrests at school, um, through data and referrals to law enforcement, which could include um, students who get ticketed, but there's no really separate tracking just of students who get ticketed at school. So we did it on really a town by town basis, school by school basis, but there's no central way, certainly the state of Illinois isn't doing it. Um, so if the state wanted you know, a full picture of students who get police tickets at school, there is no, um, other than our database, which we made public, I encourage your listeners to go to go look up um, the schools that they're interested in, see all the data we collected, um, but there is no other place to really have a full understanding of um, how, how broad of an issue this is in Illinois schools. Well, the work is phenomenal. And um, the problem, without your work, the problem would just keep getting worse and worse, like the function creep part of this. Um, if it's not restrained, it will just keep getting worse. All right, so the story again, ladies and gentlemen, at least the main story is the price kids pay. Schools and police punish students with costly tickets for minor misbehavior. Jody Cohen from Public ProPublica and Jennifer Smith Richards from the Chicago Tribune. Thank you so much for taking the time. And once again, awesome story. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we are back. I'd like to thank Jody Cohen from ProPublica and Jennifer Smith Richards from the Chicago Tribune. I want to thank them for their awesome reporting. I want to thank them for sitting down with us to chat about their amazing set of stories. It's really, um, the process is disgusting, right? It's disgusting. When and why, and maybe I have a friend who probably knows about this, maybe I'll do an interview with her uh, about it. But I'm really curious about where schools 
gave up their authority to discipline kids. Did it happen after Columbine? Was that it? And the zero tolerance? What happened? Um, I just, I can't imagine, I'm 50, 51, actually, I can't imagine growing up where you had to worry about getting tickets and coming home with 150, 200, $300, $500 fines for misbehavior at schools. It's just ridiculous. On a criminal justice note, as I said in the interview, we need to do everything we can as a society to reduce the interactions, the public and, and our youth, especially uh, the youth of color um, and poor youth. And that usually goes hand in hand with youth of color and being poor in this country because of all the racism and segregation. We need to reduce the interactions the public has with the police. We especially need to go to those targeted groups and significantly reduce the interactions those groups have with the police. Why? Are the police inherently bad? We could talk about that. At times they certainly are, at times they're not. But anytime you interact with the police or law enforcement or officials in the justice system, there is the possibility that that interaction for reasons because of the police and reasons because of the individual interacting with the police and how they handle that interaction, there is the chance for it to get, to, for it to go bad. And whether that's pushing a police officer, resisting the ticket, yelling at a judge, pushing a judge or a prosecutor or an official, anytime as you ratchet up the number of those interactions, there's going to be more and more of those not a greater percentage, but even in the same percentage, you have more of the percentage stays the same, but you have more, you're going to have more of the positive or more of the regular, you're going to have more of the negative. With it, those interactions going bad and le leading to like really serious, you know, serious misdemeanor or felony charges for like having a vape pen in school. It's monstrous. It's stupid. But of course we have such a inept, incompetent, not all of them, but many of them in our General Assembly. In 2019, it went in, as I, I, I think, well, one, either Jody or Jennifer said, in 2019, this new bill went into place outlawing tickets for truancy. So what does the schools around the state do? They write a thousand more tickets over a couple of years. Some of that time was during pandemic time. So there actually had been more than a thousand if there wasn't the pandemic because there were so few kids in schools around the state for months on end. Those are a thousand illegal tickets. No consequences for the cops who wrote them. No consequences for the supervisors that accepted them. No consequences for the, the hearing officer or the city officials. No consequences for the administrators in the schools that were doing it. All of their actions were all illegal. No consequences. But there's consequences for the person carrying the bay pen or skipping school. Listen, we need teeth in these things that outlaw things. Not, not teeth in, in bills that punish poor, underserved communities and the people that live in them, but consequences for the people in power. How about anytime you write one of these tickets, it's a $10,000 fine against the administrator or school official that brought the information to the cop and to the cop and $100,000 to the police department and to the school. And that ratchets up every next offense that amount doubles. Let's see if they start stop writing those tickets. What do you think? Think they're going to stop writing them? Obviously, counting them to just do the goddamn right thing 
ain't working. It just isn't working. They, the schools around the state wrote a thousand truancy tickets from January 1 of 19, I think through the end of 21, of those 36 months, what? 14, 18 of them, they weren't in school, 20, right? Just because, did they miss all of the fall of 20 and the spring of 21 may have not been in school at all at that time? I mean, they missed months and months of school and they still had a thousand tickets. It's ridiculous. Thank you uh, again to Jody and Jennifer. Awesome, awesome reporting um, that has had an impact as we talked about in the, in, during the interview. It's had an impact and hopefully it'll continue to have an impact. Um, we will just see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week, hopefully. All right, take it easy. Uh -huh.